welcome to another episode of the Woods Water Mizzou podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Skeeter, and along with me as usual, we have Case and Cole. How y'all doing? Good. Doing good. Doing good. Well, fellas, we have a special guest with us tonight. We have Mr. David Harris of the Hoops Southbound or Southland uh, podcast. Southbound. Southbound. I got it right the first time. Okay. But uh, Mr. David, thank you for joining us. How you? How are you tonight? I'm doing great, guys. I'm having a wonderful evening right now. Let's see. I, I would describe you in the short time I've got to know you as a college basketball junkie. Uh, would that be pretty accurate? I've got a mild addiction to it, you might say. Yes. Um, yeah, I grew up around the game. I, um, I started playing when I probably when I was about eight years old. And then, of course, it didn't help that I had a grandfather who um, had an NBA tryout after he got done playing Army in Europe. So you can say that basketball is a pretty big deal with my family. And then, uh, of course, I coached kids for a while after I got done, after I found out I wasn't talented enough to play much longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, we greatly appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us your expert opinion. <laughs> uh, I, we can call it that. <laughs> I know where your roots are. Uh your your heart's in Arkansas. You're you're a Razorback, but you are. If anybody follows along on your Twitter, you are pretty even keel. I feel like, and so I, I that's why I wanted to bring you on because I feel like you would give a very good outside opinion of Mizzou without uh, the hatred or dislike of from another fan base. You know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, full disclosure, I am an alumni of the University of Arkansas, and I, I attend law school there now. Um, but yeah, no, I, I try to keep things pretty even killed with the podcast. Um, I try to keep things um, without bias as much as possible and with, you know, objective eyes. Now, if you had Maddie on this show with me today, you know, she's a little more ba- biased than I am. Um, it, but it, it's, it's been a while, you know, talking to her, you know. About like, hey, on the Twitter page, we got to keep it this way. You can be yourself on the podcast, but we, we need to do it this way. <laughs> um, but, you know, she's great, too. Um, but, yeah, no, we try to keep things as unbiased as possible and have fun with it. Well, well here we're opposite of that. Well, this is a Homer podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, by the name, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. uh, so last, last Wednesday, uh, number 19 Kentucky Wildcats come into Missouri Arena. And our Tigers, once again, just had – I mean, it's starting to turn into a trend, it seems like now. Uh, back-to-back games of double-digit wins over a ranked team. We won 89-75. Uh, Case, we'll start with you and your initial thoughts of the game. So what I really liked was um, Gates' defense in this game. I liked that after feeling about the first five minutes, he let uh, – they're, they're, you know, most uh, I'll say in player, uh, sheeple, sheeple, sheepy, um, kind of just go off, do his own thing. Because he's still a great stat, still a double-double in that game. But uh, after that, shut everyone else down, and he can get his, and it didn't really matter for us, Kentucky. Also, as we saw in the early games, um, like Penn comes to mind, uh, Lindenwood. Um, these games are kind of a little worried in the start of the season. If teams make their threes against us, we're going to have trouble. But if they struggle at all from the perimeter, um, we're going to be so fast on that on that rebound and get down the court to score that we'll hang a quick 10 on them and really put some pressure or put some distance between us. We did that with Illinois. 
We did it against Kentucky, and that makes me believe that that's not a fluke. That is our recipe to win. That's how this defense looks good. Is we got to rely on some some poor perimeter shooting, which you know is can be hard because KU did the opposite. KU against us made five threes in a row, and they're after the second possession. And by that, we couldn't get back into it. We just we let them get too far because we're giving them the three. Now I'm yeah. watching KU right now as we speak, and they missed six threes and or six possessions in a row. Three of them threes, two or three were turnovers. If we had gotten that, I think it'd been a very different ball game. But that's provision. This doesn't matter. But yeah. uh, I I like what I'm seeing from that. I like that game plan, and um, I'm interested to see how I can work against other teams. Absolutely, yeah. Cole. What about you? What What are your thoughts of the game? Your Your big takeaways. Um, I mean, we could go down the, uh, we could go down the stat rabbit hole, but, uh, I, one main thing that stuck out to me, um, and not only do I want to get y'all's, um, you know, opinion on it, but especially our guest, the, the moment when Aiden Shaw got tied up with the um, and, you know, just obviously ignited the crowd. Um, yeah. that's, I feel like not only have we seen in these 13 games that we've played so far, just a complete turnaround from the culture of the team. And that may be an overused term, um, you know, when referring to a coaching change from, you know, one squad to another. And essentially we're dealing with the whole new um, roster. But that, if I were to pick one specific moment, that moment stuck out to me that, you know, it was, (laughs) I don't know. It's just exactly what you want to see in a program from a true freshman who, was committed to the old coach and, you know, got to speak to, you know, coach Gates and, you know, re-secure that, uh, that commitment. And then for him to be the one to go, you know, toe to toe with, with Toshibwe, um, <laughs> it just, it speaks volumes. Um, yeah. statistically I'm happy, obviously with happy, uh, happy with the point outcome, um, shot 40% again from three point range. Um, and yeah, just an overall good shooting night. Uh, we talked about, you know, Mizzou hasn't been great off the boards, and I think that, I think that's attributed heavily to our lack of size. Um, I, don't, I don't know what you guys think about that. No, I I totally agree with that, um, and that's interesting to see because if you look at all of our games that weren't against like the low low level, I'm talking like any decent G five and P five, and we've only lost one game. We've lost every single rebounding, like in like number of rebounds. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I guess what's your opinion on that? On how we've overcome that? Because you're right, we're way undersized. Uh, of all the guys that play consistent minutes, Kobe Brown is our tallest at six nine. That's not huge. No, no, not at all. With uh, Mr. David, I'm I'm sure you were probably biting your tongue there because listening to your podcast. Uh, it's something that I've learned. Uh, the football minds, <laughs> as you heard, Case has as well as I, uh, like to say, you know, the power fives. I guess in basketball, it's considered power six, it's right? Power six. That's right. Yeah. 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 Power six or power seven. Um, there's debate on which one that you say. It's just a matter of do you consider the American conference a power conference in basketball? I personally do. I, I say the power seven. Um, yeah, this is a great trend, though, with Mizzou. Um, they've won four out of five of their last Power 7 games. With this Kentucky game, I, the biggest thing that stood out to me actually was the three-point three point shooting. Um, we can get to the assistant turnover stuff in a, in a second here because that was also great for Mizzou. But 
in the games against UCF and Illinois, Mizzou had to shoot roughly 60% or at a high rate from three. I don't have those stats for that game pulled up in front of me, but that was what I recalled from those games in order to win those games. In this game, they only shot 40. Now, this is the most effective three-point shooting team in the SEC, and I believe they're second in uh, three-point field goals made per game. It's, it's impressive to watch them win a game at this point without being completely reliant on the three ball. Now, granted, they still made 10 of them and took 25 shots, but they weren't even half their shots in this game. And then on the other side, like I said about the turnover to assist to rate, assist to turnover ratio, Kentucky, 15 assists to 14 turnovers. And then you flip that around, Mizzou was 19 assists to eight turnovers. They... Yeah. Mizzou does a great job of stealing the ball. That's the best part of Mizzou's defense. They cause turnovers. They steal the ball. They're fantastic at it. And we saw that in this game. And I I think, don't get me wrong, Mizzou Arena helps out when it's packed out anytime Kentucky comes to town for a great ball game. But you got a team that's committed to, you know, causing chaos on the basketball court, and that helps them when they play a fast-paced game. I I was thinking about it today, and uh, really the intensity of the defense over the last two games has reminded me of the – Mike Anderson, uh, 40 minutes of hell almost, uh, you know, just the speed and intensity in which they play and how fast they're trying to transition. And and I know you're very familiar being an Arkansas alum of the Mike Anderson. Uh, and I, I know he got a lot of his style from coach Richardson, uh, back in the nineties with Arkansas, but, uh, do, do you see the, the speed, the up-tempo being what benefits Missouri being uh, smaller on on the boards and whatnot as yeah, far as being as efficient as they are? Yeah, that's the best way to beat a um, an athletic you know team that beats you with size is to use your speed and stamina. And to take transition threes like Missouri does, I, I think that's a great, great way to put it, and I think that's a great way to play ball if you're Missouri. I, I will say this, you're trying to compare it to Mike Anderson, and I'm sitting here thinking the difference between this and what Mike Anderson did, both at Mizzou and Arkansas, is that there's actually offense out there. Um, yeah. Mizzou, does a fan, yeah, Mizzou does a fantastic job with ball movement, and that's why they can hit such high percentage from three, is that the ball movement is fantastic. The passing is very, very good. They work around that perimeter, and they find those open shots. And, you know, they're, they're, setting them setting, they're setting themselves up for analytically the best three that they can take any time in a game. Yeah. What you gave credit to this in, in your last week's episode on your podcast that this is a Missouri team. Like, the team aspect seems to be really huge, especially when you look at the stat sheets. I know Colby's had back-to-back 30-plus games, and that's been big for us, but – you can shut Kobe Brown down, and I still feel like this team is still going to put up at least 70. Yeah, um, I, there was a stat that I pulled up today for a preview that I wanted to talk about, actually, and I can jump into a little bit of that right now. When you look at this team with their field goals made per game, let me just scroll down here and see if I can't find it real fast. You've got Hodge, you've got Honor, you've got Carter, and you got Colby Brown. The thing that those guys all have in common is that they all make or are all averaging over one three-pointer a game um, to this team. And so everybody out there can shoot the ball at any given time. It's just a matter of finding that dude open at the right given moment. Yeah. Case and Cole, do you have anything else you you all want to talk as far as last week's game? Uh, One more thing I guess I want to talk about the Kentucky game. 
And I think Cole kind of hit on this, but let's talk about just the Dennis Gates and his, how his, his team has made a demeanor of itself. Um, I feel like walking into a lot of games with Conzo, I feel like a lot of games felt just like too much for this team. And I feel yeah. like, uh, especially the last two games, which have been big games in the schedule, that uh, they have come out extremely ready to play and extremely tough. And the Shaw thing is a great example of that. But just in general, this team does not back down. Um, even in the UCF game, I mean, I know that game was kind of a, a it's kind of a fluky way to win, kind of lucky way to win. But uh, they didn't they didn't even flinch when he fell down with a, with a second left on the clock. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, since that KU game, it seems that it seems that this team has at least got the demeanor where they uh they know what they do they know what they need to do to win, and I, I'm very excited about that going forward. Yeah, I would agree that it's it's just it's refreshing to see. I think more than anything that you know, as much as I hate to say that you know the the team may have needed to take one on the chin, um, obviously against our our bitter rival, um, but maybe you know that's what we needed. Um, and looking back on it, you know when I when I, when we looked at this point of the schedule, I was very concerned i was like man you know we got a good chance to start nine and oh we got the ku game um and obviously it was not what we expected but um yeah it just one thing i am and i guess we can maybe even treat this as a natural segue this is only going to be our second true road game of the season um we've talked on this on this uh show before how the game against ucf was technically a neutral site game but let's be honest that was not really the case um so i'm i'm excited to see how uh how we come out against against arkansas down there bud walton hey just to throw this out there too i don't know if y'all were aware over the weekend but uh ucf gave number two houston all they wanted in in their game saturday uh so that that's not I know they're they're yeah. not name brand or highly ranked, you know, nothing like that. But that is a quality team we beat there. I think so. UCF matched up really well against us. They are have a ton of height, and they just take out Ole Miss on the road a week before we played them. Yeah. Like they had some SEC gravestones already in their you know yard out there, and they were looking for another one, and they like, damn near got one versus us. But I I think it was impressive that we pulled that out and kind of a part of the build where we are now. Since Cole kind of already transitioned us there, tomorrow night uh, down here in David and mine's backyard, uh, we come to Bud Walton to take on the number 13 Arkansas Razorbacks. And now we have a number beside the Mizzou Tigers. We are number 20 in the rankings that came out in the poll today. Uh, I feel that's fair for not being ranked. Uh, You know, you're not just going to jump in the polls without knocking off the top team and uh, being 15-ish, you know. So I, I feel 20 is fair. Uh, and we still have a lot of season to play, so the rankings really don't matter right now to me anyways. But, David, I, I do want to ask you, is this a rivalry? <laughs> um, that depends if you talk to folks in Arkansas or Missouri is the way I'm uh, taking our conversation that we were having before uh, we started going here today. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like a rivalry south of the border now i will say this when it comes to the football game uh here of late uh 
uh, Arkansas fans are real tired of the uh, trend that's been happening <laughs> over the last couple of years. Um, maybe that's the way to ignite a rivalry. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, you know, as far as, you know, the weird thing was, is I was in college when Mizzou made the transition to the SEC and I, I was here at the U of A and I remember thinking to myself that the rivalry between Arkansas and Mizzou was going to be better in basketball um, yeah. when that first happened. And that's because Mike Anderson had just become the head coach at Arkansas at the time. And, yeah. you know, I thought we had that connection. There would be a little bit of bad blood between that whole situation. It just never really materialized. It seemed like one team was good or one team was bad. And then, you know, last year, you know, it, it just didn't even seem that remotely interesting. This year is much, much different. You have a very, very good Mizzou team that's coming in. One that we I still legitimately have questions about just because of resume purposes. I just want to completely understand this team before I anoint them amongst the elite of the conference. But, you know, this is a very good Mizzou team, and it's a very, very good year one for Dennis Gates, and it's going to be an exciting game. So this might be what starts that trend as a basketball rivalry because Mizzou was brought into the SEC to raise the basketball profile in this conference. Yeah. It, it, it feels like... Once we joined the SEC, uh, the rest of the SEC basketball went up and our quality of basketball uh, went down other than that first year, Frank Kaith. Uh, but it was just absolute terrible timing. We had three coaches in a row that uh, I believe if you ask any Mizzou fan or the majority of Mizzou fans, uh, I don't, I don't think any of us really think too fondly of the previous three coaching staffs. Uh, not not to say against quality of the person that they are, but just the product that they put out there uh, as Mizzou Tigers. It just was not very, very good There's teams to get a behind. section of fans that are like, hate, like Frank Hayes like supporters still. Like, that's weird to me. I, I think Frank Hayes is the start of the downfall, but I've gotten flack for that on the old Twitter machine for that one. <laughs> I'm I mean, right there with you on that. There's, there's still a lot of crazy yeah. Arkansas fans who talk about John Pelfrey, so I understand. Yeah, that. yeah. There's there's a section <laughs> of fan base that are like, you, you guys quit him too early. That that was our guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna add something. I just as you guys were talking about that, you know, answering, you know, Dave answering the question of, you know, oh, is this a rivalry? It just it made me think that you know when Mizzou joined the SEC. And, you know, the, the battle line rivalry was created. And, you know, like like you mentioned that, you know, Mizzou was brought in to, you know, help try and raise the prestige of basketball within the SEC. It's kind of like this rivalry. I'm thinking of it as, you know, you go and put something, you're cooking supper and you go to put something in the crock pot, right? And it starts out cold and, you know, kind of lackluster. And then you add a couple more things to it. You add, um, you know, Mike Anderson going to uh, going to Arkansas, and then you know a few years later, you know we can Barry Odom, and then Sam Pittman picks him up as defensive coordinator, and then oh, you know a couple years later, Trayvon Brazil goes down there, and so now it seems like you know then you add the 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 streak that Mizzou beat Arkansas in football um, all those years, then you guys got us back, and then we got you guys back, and so it just seems like it started as this just cold thing that you may have put in a crock pot, hoping that it's going to turn out good. And I think over the years that this thing slowly, but surely has turned into um, a rivalry that I personally think is only going to get better. I think it's gotten a lot better since Drinkwitz and Drinkwitz and Pittman both came in in the football side. 
And I think part of that is that Drink is from Arkansas and grew up an Arkansas fan. And I think, uh, you know, getting booed by his, his fellow statesmen there kind of like upsets him. <laughs> but I think I think David's probably right. It's a little more amped up for us, but I feel like we're kind of almost preached that from our head coach. You know what I mean? At least on that yeah. side. Yeah. And then I feel like I'll be honest. Yeah, I, I agree with it. It was always felt like a football thing to me. Um, mostly in starting in that overtime game in the COVID year. But uh, Brazil going over really sparked this for me because I was really hyped about him. Like that was one – like almost no one – only we – we were the only P5, I guess, team to offer him. And I was like, I, like I'm all about this guy. I actually went down to the state championship uh, and I went for a different game for my cousin and then stayed for another game just to watch him because I was so excited about him. I was like, yep, this is the next big Mizzou player. And I felt personally betrayed by what happened. <laughs> so that really fired me up for this like rivalry. Like I was, I was all in on this now. Like I am, you're right behind KU now. I'm in rivalry solely because of, of that move he made. <laughs> that's that's the igniting spark for you. Is the for me? Brazil. I was, I was like, sometimes you you pick a guy like when you recruit and you're like, I'm you know I'm about this guy, and like he was my dude. Yeah, you feel I mean, betrayed I, I, for sure. I definitely miss him right now playing from my team personally right now. I yeah. wish he was uh wish he was healthy right now. Um but yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things that you know, I could see that the transfer portal can you know, ignite a bit of rivalry. Um I definitely, you know, it was probably made even worse after he made those comments about um the atmosphere at Bud Walton is what made him transfer. Um yeah. down here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't recall much of a good atmosphere in that game. I I was at it personally last year, and that was uh, if you were wearing a Mizzou jersey and you left there thinking, boy, I want to come back, I don't know if your heart was in the right place in that game. <laughs> uh, so, but me personally living down here, being a Mizzou fan, I feel in basketball, uh, Arkansas fans – are looking past Mizzou like they uh, they really feel that Musselman is building something back to back elite eights. I mean, you you do have to give them credit. Uh, Musselman's great. He's a great coach. You know they they've had some fairly good success, but uh, with the class he brought in this year, two or three McDonald's All Americans, and then bringing in Brazil, uh, I believe that they were they were thinking very big picture and was we're not worried about little old Mizzou you know we beat them by 30 or 40 last year so uh but I think after last week uh Arkansas losing uh at Baton Rouge to LSU and us beating Kentucky I think some Arkansas fans are like wait a minute now this is not uh as easy as we think it's going to be uh would you say that's correct David I, I would think that that is a, you know, a very, it, it's close. It's almost exactly right. I, I think at the beginning of this year, you're exactly right. I think everybody kind of dismissed Mizzou. I, I don't even think it was just Arkansas fans. I no, think it was across yeah. the SEC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this was circled on the calendar as a win um, in the minds of a lot of Razorback fans. What has happened now, just very simply, is that Mizzou has gotten red hot. They've beat some quality teams. And then on the Arkansas side of things, the loss to LSU significantly raised the importance of this game. 
And the reason is, is because Arkansas schedule after Mizzou is incredibly difficult. You're talking about you've got a game on Saturday against Auburn in the jungle, and then you've got Alabama back in Bud Walton Arena after that. And you're and then you got to go to Columbia and the next week following that. So there's going to be a ton of very difficult games. So this game has now raised its importance in Razorback fans' minds quite a bit if they want to make a chance to run at the SEC title. Now, I've said on my show, I don't necessarily think that Arkansas is going to win the SEC regular season title this year. Yeah. Um, I've actually got Tennessee picked to win the SEC regular regular season. And uh, in classic Rick Barnes fashion, I think he'll get bumped out in around 32 after having a great conference schedule run. <laughs> um, so it's a team with Final Four talent. We'll see if they get there. Um, so, and but that's the, that being said, yes, the this game's important has raised significantly, and I think we're going to see a very, very, um, without the student section, the best that Bud can offer without the student section, so to speak, um, because it is winter break right now, right now at the U of A. So, uh, Razorback fans know this is an important game right now if they want a chance at winning that SEC title. I feel some nervous energy uh, just locally uh, on the radios, people's faces in their hog gear when I go out. You know, just uh, they're very reserved right now to where before they might have had their chest puffed out a little bit. But getting into the game itself, what can you tell us about uh, y'all's prize recruit you brought in, Nick Smith Jr.? I know he missed last week's game and really haven't got a definite answer on yay or nay for tomorrow yeah the nick stiff uh, the smith jr stuff has just gotten really we don't know no one really knows the i was talking to christina long with the uh, times record on my podcast this week uh previewing this game and while we were talking to her i asked her for an update on nick smith because she talks to us every week and same response and then monday you know we just don't know we don't know when he's going to be back and then today must or not today but monday must had his press conference and same same thing again there's just not a ton of details that are coming out about this injury now the weird thing is is that it was classified as indefinite so i don't know when he's going to be back but something tells me we're not done seeing him in a razorback jersey yet so it might yeah. be something that they ju- it's all about the injury management i guess in their minds and they just want to prevent the worst from happening so we, it could be another week. We could not see him till February. He could be coming back at the SEC tournament. I don't know right now, but they're not ruling him out like Trevin Brazil. So something tells me it's coming soon, but obviously I right now I don't think we're going to see him for this Mizzou game. Okay. That said, we didn't exactly get a ton of notice that he was going to be in the Troy game. It was kind of that afternoon that Twitter just started hey, Nick Smith's going to play tonight. And I'm like, there. no one has officially said that. And yeah. then, what do you know? He's sitting over there checking into the game for his first six minutes of the season. So, I don't know. I don't know when he's coming back or what the deal is, but we'll see. It's probably going to be the 11th hour before people go, yeah, he's not playing. So, it sounds like your, your Nick Smith Jr. situation is very similar to our Isaiah Mosley situation. To yeah, where, very similar. Except that we don't even know if Isaiah Mosley is dealing with the injury. We've heard so many rumors of, oh, it was injury. Oh, it was, you know, he's missing class or, you know, he's not, you know, going 100% in practice or he's got, you know, family that's sick and he's dealing with personal issues. And it's like every game you're like, okay, 
is Mosley going to check in? Nope, still got his warm-up top on. Okay, holy smokes, here he comes. You know, he's playing against – it's been so long since he's played at this point that I don't even recall the last time that he actually played. UCF, um, I believe. Okay, yep. so there you go. So it's – yeah, we, we feel you on that. The, the yeah. unknown is, is annoying, but it's understandable at the same time. Yeah, the only people who actually got to see his last minutes were the fans in Little Rock. And I do mean the fans in North Little Rock because the Bradley game was not broadcast. And he sat down, Nick Smith sat down in that game um, and um, Musk said he didn't he didn't feel the need to put him back in the second half and during that game. And I was like, well, we were blowing him out, I guess. That's fine. And then the next thing you know, we're at the UNC Asheville game and he's not checking into the ball game. He's not even warming up. He's there in sweats. So it was, and that's when all the stuff about knee management came out. And that's all we know. That's, that's really it. And so right now it, it's an open book. We just, it's, it's a cloud of mystery, much like the Mosley situation for you guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, looking at y'all's stat sheet or roster overall, I don't see a big size advantage. Uh, you know, we, uh, I think I looked at it earlier. I, I don't have his name off the top of my head, but uh, he was a forward and showed 6'10", and he was leading the team in rebounds. But, Mitchell? Uh, was it Mitchell? Makai Mitchell. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and so months. we, I feel like size-wise, you know, you don't have a Oscar Shibway or however you say his name down low to get all the rebounds to – you know, overpower us down there. So what what style of play can we expect from Arkansas? And listening to your podcast, I was kind of excited because you said that they struggled beating the zone against LSU last week. And we've seen Dennis Gates go into moments of us playing a zone defense. So what, what, what do you expect to see uh, on the court play be or style? I, I expect Dennis Gates to go into some type of zone. I, I honestly do. And the reason is Arkansas had severe trouble at PMAC trying to shoot out of that zone to get LSU out of it. They opened three-point shooting over 13 in that game, which Arkansas is not the best three-point shooting team, but in that game, that was still bad for them. So it, it, was, it was a horrible start. They didn't hit a three-pointer until the second half. And that's when they finally were able to start breaking down the zone a little bit. Um, but they were really having to rely on the mid-range game in that. No, there's not a significant size advantage. But the thing with Arkansas um, that you mentioned with the rebounding is that when you do look at the stat sheet, it's kind of weird. So to say that Mizzou has an Achilles heel is kind of an understatement. And that it's it's rebounding. The, the Tigers are the worst rebounding team in the SEC. They're dead last rebounds per game. Uh, defensive rebounds, 11th in offensive rebounds, and they, they are the only negative team in the conference for rebound differential. The only one. South Carolina actually wins the boards better than Mizzou. So they lose the battle on the glass almost every single night. Arkansas, it's just very weird. The Hogs have the best defensive rebound percentage in the SEC. They don't allow many second-chance buckets. Uh, 8 out of 10, Arkansas is coming away with. And so for a game that's going to be played at the pace that I think Mizzou and Arkansas is going to play at, uh, Arkansas is probably only going to allow Mizzou six to seven offensive rebounds if math holds up. Where Arkansas struggles on the boards is the offensive glass for whatever reason. Arkansas only gets eight rebounds a game 
on the offensive glass. And it doesn't make a lot of sense, but that is an area that I think Mizzou can possibly take an advantage on the boards. Do, do you think Arkansas will try to slow us down? Because uh, obviously I feel our best success is when we're doing the running gun. Arkansas would sit there and they would probably say they want to run with you. Um, these are the second and third fastest teams in the SEC. The only school that plays faster than Missouri and Arkansas is Alabama, and that's looking at the pace stats. So both teams want to go extremely fast. And in fact, Arkansas's point per um, points per shot percentage or um, ranking is one of the best in the SEC. And the reason is is because they love transition offense. It is based entirely on transition offense and dribble drive penetration. So what the Hogs want to do is actually speed you up to make you make mistakes. So we're going to watch a very, very fast game tomorrow night because both teams love to run. So that's going to be very, very interesting. I think what we're going to see instead of the Hogs slowing Mizzou down is Musk reaching a little bit deeper into his bench. That's what I'm thinking. Now, at the, some point, and this is the reason Arkansas doesn't play faster than Mizzou, is that if Arkansas gets a lead and Musk feels comfortable with that lead, what he's going to do is start relying on set plays and he's going to slow the game down significantly. And on those set plays, what he's looking to do is to get the ball in the hands of his best scorer, which right now, statistically speaking, is Ricky Council. Uh, and he's yeah. getting 17 points a game. So it's that's what the goal is for Arkansas, and that's why they're slightly slower than Mizzou on, on the uh, pace stat. Okay. But Case, Cole, do you all have any, any questions or any insight you all want to throw in there? Um, I guess this is kind of a little bit. Weird. I he said something in his podcast the other day when I was listening. He said, "Uh, packed out Bud Walton is seven points for Arkansas to start off with, right?" Well, not to start off with, but yeah, I know, I know, it's worth yeah. seven. Yeah, it's worth seven. <laughs> um, which I thought was, was a very interesting way to put that. Um, looks like the line is seven and a half. So, uh, it looks like. That gives me a little bit of hope because I'll be honest. In in my perfect world, or not perfect world, in my what make me happy is play hard against Arkansas. If we if we drop the game, we drop the game. We come back, we beat the smoke out of Vanderbilt on Saturday. Go one on one. Nothing's really changed. We're we're, we're still where we want to be. Uh, but that gives me a little bit of hope for uh, the home game against Arkansas. And I guess see how we're playing. But uh, I guess I am excited to see how our guys respond to Bud Walton because it's going to be. It's going to be a loud arena. This is going to be our first real, real road test. Wichita State was fine, and they have a great fan base. Um, but I, th I think you guys are really going to bring the bring the intensity, and I'm kind of excited to see if we can redeem ourselves in that situation after losing that at home with our fans. Yeah, so you mentioned the game in Columbia, and I'm going to throw this out there. What I do find interesting about that game in Columbia is that if you listen to two episodes ago, um, I did a conference preview episode, and it's because Mizzou fans uh, were one of the schools that won a contest we were running. So I did a deep dive on Mizzou, and I actually circled that game in Columbia between Mizzou and Arkansas, and I said, I think this is going to be the screw-up game. Like, I think this is going to huh. be the one that Arkansas screws up and loses. And the reason is, is that Mizzou takes advantage on the three-point line, and then they've got the home court sitting there in Columbia, and it's a really good time for Arkansas freshmen to have a freshman game. So, like, I, I actually, that game, I'm actually thinking would be the upset. Um, but that's not, not to say that Mizzou doesn't have hope in this game or anything like that. I actually anticipate a very high-scoring, very interesting ball game. 
uh, between Arkansas and Mizzou. I'm favoring Arkansas because of home court, and I'm favoring Arkansas because of their rebounding advantage. And then I, I got a feeling they're not going to shoot as poorly as they did in that LSU game. That that was kind of an anomaly, in my opinion. <laughs> well, oh, for sure. How are y'all on foul trouble? We the last two games, I know Kansas. We, you know, I kind of like to say just throw that one out because that was <laughs> so far an anomaly to our season. But uh, we we seem to be very decent on when to foul, when not to foul, and really don't recall uh, anybody struggling staying out of foul trouble. Uh, are y'all on the Arkansas side pretty similar? Or do yeah, y'all have some guys close. like to get handsy? Yeah, so Mizzou commits the fourth most personal fouls in the SEC on average, 18.4. Arkansas, the fifth most, uh, 17.1. So that's, um, yeah, we're going to see some fouls tomorrow. <laughs> we're right there with okay. each other then. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're right there. Um, in fact, the only teams that are worse than us are Auburn, Alabama, and of course, Texas A&M, who's one of the worst about it in the cop. They're real bad about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, with with us, yeah, we're going to see a lot of fouls in this game. We're going to be begging the SEC refs to maybe actually loosen the whistle up a little bit and let them play so we can actually get some pace in this game. So that's yeah. what that's going to be the factor that will slow the game down, if anything. But I, I will say this, Arkansas is very, very good, and part of Eric Musselman's philosophy is trying to get you to foul. So that's going to be part of what the game plan is. What's going to be interesting is that Arkansas shot incredibly poor from the free throw line uh, against LSU last week. I don't think that's going to be the same, but this, this, this Arkansas team does not shoot free throws as well as last year's team did. Uh, Chris likes was dominant at the free throw line. He can win you a game, just going to the line over and over again for Arkansas. This team, not quite as potent at the free throw line, or at least it doesn't feel that way, or they miss some at crucial times. But the thought process there is Arkansas wants to get as many free throw attempts as possible. And Bud Walton, that might be a determining factor because, you know, the crowd's going to be a little bit more nicer to them at the free throw line than, uh, than anybody else. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I anticipate a good, I believe I saw the over under 154, and I'm going to take the over on that. Uh, just at, especially after you saying Arkansas's good with the running the floor like we like to do. So uh, our offense is, aside from the KU game, we've we've yet to be slowed down at a consistent pace. So uh, I'm excited to see how our guys come out and accept the challenge, uh, how the runs are in the game. I kind of anticipate, you know, one team get on a run and then the other team counterpunch with the run. And and I don't know if it's really just going to be a back-and-forth game, but I guess we'll find out tomorrow night, right? I think the biggest thing that we're going to be looking at in this game is the three-point line. Uh, I, I kind of marked that as the catalyst in this game, so to speak. And the reason is, is that when you look at it, and yeah, you're right, take over, take the over in this game, 100%. I'm, I'm betting the over because I think we're going to see, what did you say the over was? I believe 154. 154. So, yeah, that seems about right, honestly. Yep, 154. So, like, I, I'm thinking a game in the 80s. So, like, that may happen. 
but what what I think might keep why Vegas has got that number at that point, or Saracen, if um, if you're betting with me um, here in the state of Arkansas, um, yeah. the reason that that's that way is because Mizzou, while they're really good at shooting threes, Arkansas is one of the best three-point shooting defenses in the country. So they're probably taking a few points away for the Arkansas um, stopping a few um, Mizzou's threes. But like that's going to be the catalyst in this game because you have a ton of options to shoot from three with Mizzou, and then Arkansas has to play very good three-point defense. Um, so it, that's that's going to be an interesting part of this game. And then also it's going to be on the three-point line on the other end too. I, I actually looked at that a little bit further today. Like I said, Arkansas, while they're not the best three-point shooting a team, Mizzou has one of the worst three-point shooting defenses in the SEC over the course of all these games. And I, I think you guys remember the UCF game and a couple of others where teams just got really good from three. That's that's a consistent trend. So we'll see if Arkansas can hit a couple of threes. And so what happens around the perimeter is going to be a big determining factor in this game. As as Cole can attest, since he's the one of the three of us that were was at the KU game, KU could not miss a three. It did not seem like. So uh, I, I'm sure that three-point average for the opponent is, is definitely <laughs> – up there uh, against us. Yeah, uh, I think I actually had it marked down. I think it's looking at my notes here. Um, it, it would be somewhere in there. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's it's bottom three for sure. I'm pretty darn confident on that. But it's just you know Nick Smith's not out there. Trevin Brazil's not out there. So it's their hogs are going to have to rely on Anthony Black and Ricky Council and Debo Davis to make the threes. And Debo Davis actually plays better in the mid range game. So it'll it'll just depend. It'll just depend if those guys can get hot at all. I think one last thing I had that as I'm just kind of sitting here thinking about the game tomorrow, one, one other thing since these teams like to play so fast um, is one thing I saw against the MUKU game was not only, you know, after a made basket coming out and, you know, these teams like to run, you know, Mizzou, if, a, if you know, Arkansas makes a basket tomorrow, Mizzou's going to try and get out and run. It's going to be interesting to see if both coaches, Gates and Musselman, you know, try and implement some sort of full court press to mitigate um, any sort of, you know, transition basket. Because, like I said, these teams like to run so much. Um, I think that could definitely play in Arkansas's favor if, you know, Arkansas gets made basket, tries to throw on the full court press, 19,000 people, you know, screaming. Um, That'll be very interesting to see. But one thing that I saw uh, Bill Self do very well was any time, any minuscule run that Mizzou started to go on, I mean, immediately Self was calling a timeout and getting things back under control, getting the uh, getting the crowd calm back down. So uh, part of me wonders if Coach Gates is going to take a you know, page out of that book and get it implemented um, you know, tomorrow if, if it does come to that. Yeah, I, I think – a minute there, I thought you were going to ask if Bus was going to call timeouts, and the the lesson that Arkansas fans have learned the last couple of years is that man does not call timeouts. Um, <laughs> Great, good. Let's yeah, keep it he, that way. <laughs> yeah, he he likes to let his players figure things out, and he only calls them if he th- feels that he needs them. Um, his his philosophy basically centers around there's enough media timeouts to make things work to begin with. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right. I I do think that'll be beneficial. We've seen that in Bud Walton a lot, especially when teams get when Arkansas had a tendency to get very hot. Uh, we'd seen teams call timeout and use two three in the first half just to try to keep things settled so they could get their team make sure they were in position to stay in the game in the second half. 
But as, as I was mentioned about the Bud Walton environment, it is important to note, like I said, the student section is not going to be the student section tomorrow. And that that's very important to understand because they bring a lot of life to the place. So it's going to be kind of a weird Bud Walton tomorrow. It's still going to be loud. It's still going to be ruckus, but you're not going to have some of the crazy things that come out of that, <laughs> that little pod behind <laughs> where the opponents yeah. shoot in the first half. It's um, like I said, I, I think I've said it before. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but that place when the students are there can turn into a zoo, a free range zoo with a basketball game going on in the middle. Um, that's, <laughs> That's that's the best way to look at it. Tomorrow, it's going to be, you know, students bringing their parents to go sit in the uh, in the student section with them and things like that. So it's going to be a very it's going to be different in that regard, but it'll still be a loud and ruckus place. So well, let's just so say what I'm, I'm, go, ahead, go ahead, Cole. OK, well, I was just saying I'm let's just hope that both universities continue this trend and schedule um, at Bud Walton during the winter break. And then we'll get you guys back in Columbia after our students comes back, we'll just we'll just keep it that way. <laughs> that's that's the way you guys want to do. Yeah, this. let's okay, let's I, do it. <laughs> I see it. Okay, I understand now. We, you know, um, we we had you guys up in Columbia when our students were gone on Thanksgiving break. You know, Black Friday. So we'll just maybe this is the even trade. Maybe this is kind of what the athletic directors worked out. Look, you know, I'm for real. Like, why don't we just play this game in Kansas City for football? You know, like you know, I'm, that, I agree, dude. Yeah, it's only, Three hours exactly. away from Fayetteville. What is it like? Three hours away from Columbia. Like that's it's not a bad place to play it. But you know, whatever. We'll keep doing the back and forth. I think that we were scheduled to do. The we were, and then COVID happened. They ended up not doing it. Yeah. Um. I would yeah. much rather go play in Arrowhead than War Memorial Stadium. I, I'll concede. You know, if, like let's go play in KC. That's fine. Buddy, me yeah. too. I live ten minutes from Arrowhead. I live two and a half hours from Fro. <laughs> Yeah, I used to live in Blue Springs, so like yeah, I, I right, right there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what what I was gonna say was it it sounds like the Arkansas fan base is not as committed as Mizzou, especially the student section, oh, because we <laughs> we were fully be there tomorrow. We were fully on student on winter break last week against Kentucky, and an hour before tip, and the student section is already packed. So yeah, there's, they're going to be there. There's going to be students there. Let me, <laughs> let me make that clear. What you're going to be missing is it's going to be the Dallas kids, the kids from Kansas City, you know, who are, you know, home for the holidays. Those are the kids. Are yeah, the, the Memphis kids, the kids out of state. Yeah. Yeah. Skeeter, why don't you cut that out? So that doesn't air. Why don't... <laughs> <laughs> David, if you can tell there is levels to our homerism and I love Ske- Skeeter might be on the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me I invited the wrong guy to my show the first time. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Maybe. Hey, to be fair, I did try to encourage Case to take that interview. Because uh, he is way more professional than I am, so <laughs> I don't know about uh, that. Um, but go ahead. Oh nope, I'll go ahead. What? I I was going to let Mister David go uh, unless y'all had anything else for him. I was just going to thank him for coming on, and if he would, I was going to have him tell everybody where he can find him, and if he wants to throw a little plug in there for his podcast because he does talk Mizzou, and it will be podcast. great. It will be great to listen to next week when they have to say good things about Mizzou beating Arkansas. Oh, man. Oh, all right. So, <laughs> for, the record, for the record, David, I think we're going to lose this. I think we're going to lose them tomorrow. <laughs> all right. Let me, 
let me let me do you three things all right let me let me uh <laughs> let, let me throw you something because skeeter said something so nice to me i'm going to pay him back with this real fast and then i'll do all that <laughs> stuff. so year one under dennis gates has been excellent uh i yes. think i think they have surpassed a lot of people's expectations um this season and I, right now i do think in all honesty if you're looking for the newcomer of the year in the sec i think it's between him and yans right now for uh, who's the best newcomer coach in the SEC right now. Lamont Harris obviously inherited a dumpster fire in South Carolina. Mike White, depending on how you see it, you know, he, he doesn't have a signature win there at Georgia. And Todd Golden hasn't, you know, things have been a rocky start in Florida. But, like, Dennis Gates has done a fantastic job putting this team together. So that's my that's my good thing I'm going to say about Mizzou for you guys here tonight. <laughs> and I'll, I'll leave you guys on that note. You guys can find me. It's real easy. Anywhere um, that you um, – look on social media i'm on facebook twitter tiktok um we've got an instagram account and it's all under the same tag it's at hoops h-o-o-p-s southbound and that's south like the direction bound like the carrie underwood song southbound um just as simple as that you can find us anywhere we put videos from the podcast up on tiktok we put uh, we share a lot of stuff on Twitter. We do some live game tweeting for our game of the day, and we'll send some updates on some other stuff we're watching. Um, but yeah, me and Maddie are on there all the time. You guys, we love people to interact, and just like these guys with the Woods, Woods Waters, and Mizzou podcast, like we have a completely organically grown audience. We just don't have like randomly ten thousand followers. We got four, not quite five hundred yet, and so like that's the way I'm going to put it. We're not up to 500 yet, but yeah, it's very yeah. active. So there's a lot of basketball conversation on there. And it's a, we like to think it's a good page to follow right now. I, I, I highly suggest following it. I, I try to interact as much as possible uh, because I, I know you've, you've helped me. And uh, I, li- I like helping others grow because sports are a great thing. It, it can bring Arkansas fans and Mizzou fans. We can have a civil conversation, you know, and, and so – it's it's something I love and it's a passion I have and I greatly appreciate you coming on, uh, Case and Cole. I'm sure you all are very thankful as well. Absolutely, yep. I love your content, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Absolutely, guys. Thank you guys so much for letting me on. It was a great time tonight. All right, thank you, David. Yep, have a good one, guys. Bye. Well, fellas, uh, do you have anything else you want to? I had to throw little jabs in there. I, I live in hog country. <laughs> I understand. You know, it'd be like you talking to a KU fan. You, you just there's an extra angst there because you, it's in your face. I would but, try to. I would try to not do that. I would try to not talk to a KU fan. But I, I, see, I see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Let me get it up there, Skeet. What I, I was just going to say, like. I got uh, new Mizzou gear, obviously, for Christmas, and Whit was going to go out yesterday and do some stuff with kids before, you know, life happens again. And I started to put that Mizzou shirt on. I said, nope, I ain't wore this yet. And if we lose, I don't want to, you know, the shirt's going to be the reason. So uh, do you all have any superstitions with Mizzou like that? Like, to me, shirts is the big thing. If we lose, I'm not wearing that shirt the rest of the season. That's funny you say that, Skeeter. So I've got tickets to the Vanderbilt game this Saturday. I'm very excited about that. Um, I have recently lost a little bit of weight, and I can fit into a uh, an authentic uh, 2000, 2005 Mizzou jersey my mother bought me way back when. 
And um, I wore it during the KU game and we lost, but I really, really like it. And I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to wear that to the game against Vandy or <laughs> something else because I'm afraid there might be some loss stuck into that thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't get what you're going from on that one. I do. I do as well. Um, I have, I don't know. I'm one of those weirdos that I, all the t-shirts that I own, it, I don't think it drives my wife crazy, but I will color coordinate my t-shirts just cause like, it's just easier to get dressed them. If I'm looking for a specific shirt and I know what color it is, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to wear some Mizzou stuff today. Let me go to the black and gold section. Boom. There it is. But, um, yeah, I have so much Mizzou gear that I try to keep a good steady rotation. Um, and typically when, if, and when Mizzou loses, the last thing on my mind is like that damn t-shirt. That was why we lost today. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not going to win it. Um, but no, I try to, uh, I do think that, uh, a Mizzou pullover, um, I have worn the past three Mizzou games that we've won. So maybe, maybe I'll, th- but I also wore it to the KU game. So Who take knows, that for right? what it is. Who yeah. Knows? <laughs> but now but I get I, it. Yeah. I've always just had those superstitions with my teams. Uh, it obviously has not paid off regardless of what shirt I've worn for a Mizzou national championship yet. But one day <laughs> it will. One day it will. Uh, transitioning real quick. In the football, I know we don't have any games to talk about. Uh, there's some big names coming back still. Like, got to be pumped with this defense that's coming back next year. Like, these guys are bought in. There's unfinished business. The end of the year left a nasty taste in their mouth. And they're they're not okay with just leaving. You got to love that. Yeah. Seeing Jeff Coat come back today, that's huge. Yes. He has been such a good, so good in the end force. Um you know, there's um, Darius rumor. Robinson yesterday. Come yep, out. Robinson is a huge one. There's there's a lot of guys coming back, and I I think for the few that have left, I think we've got guys underclassmen step behind them. And I know Hopper is up in the air right now. I would love for him to come back. I think he is MVP of our defense last year. But if not, I'm confident we can uh, Baker can find someone in transportal to maybe fill that role. I don't know. I I think it's hard to get as good talents we got for him, but fill that role at least. So, yeah, I am super excited about that defense. Um, offense, I'm a little more concerned with. I would have loved to have seen some O-line uh, picked up by now. Um, yeah. We'll still hold my breath on that one. But, uh, no, defense, you got to love it. Baker's doing something special on that side of the ball. Yeah, and I'd say uh, for, for the offensive stuff, you know, we I think we mentioned it in the group chat today that majority of these big transfers that did so well for us, you know, this season on the defensive side of the ball, most of those guys didn't even come till after the spring game. So I'm, um, I'm trying to reserve, you know, my, uh, my expectation, I guess, for what we land. Yeah. There was a few, the, the, all the D linemen seem to come early. Um, yeah. I, mean, I, Jern- think- I got a time hop that Jernigan committed a year ago today. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's a good point. Man, we got some cornerbacks late, didn't we? But I think so. And well, maybe it was two years ago with Allie Green and uh, Caleb Evans. Yes, um, good point. Good point. But I also think that with these players coming back, that there will be less portal activity. So I think we also need to, you know, curb our expectations with that because, you know, if these players don't leave, there's not scholarships open, so they're not going to be as active in the portal. That also makes me happy because they can kind of curb those, um, you know, 
all that energy towards filling defensive, um, you know, defensive positions and really focus on the areas that we need offensive line. Um, I don't, I think our running backs are good. We did have uh, Elijah Young enter the portal today. So maybe we go after a running back, although we got a pretty, um, pretty full running back room. Obviously they'll fill a scholarship, whether they promote a walk on to scholarship status or they try and go find one. That's a, um, a good point in that I don't know if we need to fill the running back hole because um, I don't know if you guys have noticed the kid from St. Louis we just recruited guys or signed. He has shot up the boards after we, Roberts, we, we right? Jamal Roberts. Yes. Yeah. He was signed as a low three star, almost two star. He is a high three star, should be a four star, but they just kind of quit because it was in the recruiting period. Yeah. Um, he should be a four star. That kid is actually a big prospect now. I don't know if we need another back in there. I think Traveris Jones can still play. Um, we've got Schrader. We've, Schrader. Thank you. I got a lot for Schrader's name there for a second. I think Schrader yep. is still going to be the workhorse it is. Uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't. I don't. I would be upset they added a guy, but I I almost would rather see that go to O line. Yeah. That's that is where my heart is at. I think we've got a great receiver core. We have got uh, at quarter at quarterback. I know that's so controversial. I'd almost rather see. This is my opinion. Is just see um, a big battle between Horn and Cook. I know Horn's going to miss spring game, but you know after that we get we get into fall summer practices. I'd love to see uh, who can win that one out because I, I think Horn could probably take that. Um, but I would love to see the O line. I think if the O line gets built up, I think Schrader can do more. I think uh, I think Traveris can do more, and I think whoever is playing quarterback will be better with more time. Well, yep. The whole point of me wanting to get the football was the report that come out last week after we posted our show of Brady Cook underwent shoulders, shoulder surgery on a torn labrum. And, man, this is the second year in a row that we've had an injured quarterback. If I didn't know we bashed Brady, and rightfully so with play, but how much did the injury impact that? But there was still – it wasn't just the shoulder on reasons we can you know, griped about Brady. 100%. But, you know, what in this coaching staff, with Coach Drink especially, has him being content with running – you know, the year before we had Basilak on one leg, uh, completely immobile. And then, you know, this year you have – that shoulder injury with, with Brady and no matter what he did, the only time he got benched was the K state game when it got hurt and Jack Abram went in through the two picks and Brady cook went, went right back in and didn't come out until the New Mexico state game. So if I give my opinion on this real quick, I, I don't think this is as egregious as the Basilac one is. I was pretty upset about that. I, this has not upset me near as much. I think here's where we're sitting on this. I think I think Drink knew what he had with the O-line, and I think he knew he needed a quarterback that had some legs. Uh, Abraham was not that guy. Abraham was a statue back there. Uh, wasn't going to work. We found that out very quickly. So he moved to Sam Horn. Sam Horn can move around. I think Drink's fear was this. If we're going to have a rough O-line, that I need to move a guy around. This guy's going to take some hits. He, I mean, hell, he got hurt game two because of it. And as, as I've, I've looked up and I've heard, 
is the the injury he got was the kind of injury where it needs to be surgically fixed, but you can't hurt it anymore once it's happened. So Cook wasn't the safety thing. Cook wasn't getting any worse. I think he he almost used Cook as a sacrificial lamb at the quarterback position. Uh, you can say that well, well, we could have done that with Horn and see what he had. We also could have got Horn seriously hurt, or we could have uh, ruined his like maybe hurt his progression. Um, Here's my counterpart or counterpoint to that is if you if your O line's that bad, like go ahead and play Jack Abram and have him hand off fifty times a game. Like yeah, but you gotta you gotta admit the best part of our offense was Cook was Cook running. It was also when Drinkwitz wasn't calling plays. <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. I hundred percent actually. That's that's a no, that's a sidebar on this. I think an OC needs to be hired because you're right. And we saw it in the bowl game, which went right back to how it was, is that when Drink is calling plays, our offense is far more stagnant. And I think we all called for if you're gonna use Cook to use him as a running quarterback. And it didn't happen until Bush started calling plays. Here's, here's yeah, here, yeah. I, I got a couple thoughts. So us as Mizzou fans, um, you think of the past four to five starting quarterbacks. Cook, Bazelak, Sean Robinson, um, and Kelly Bryant, right? Four, four names that we remember, maybe not for the best of reasons, but even before them, let's be honest. Mizzou fans were pretty darn spoiled at the quarterback position. Were they the big, you know, the the Tim Tebow's, the Johnny Manziel's, you know, those huge Heisman Trophy candidate names? Well, one of them was in, in Chase Daniel. But I, I think we've been not only spoiled at the quarterback position um, to where if we don't have – above average quarterback play we're like oh my gosh this guy's awful you know get him out of here kind of deal who's who's next um but also case took a, a, a bunch of the thoughts right out of my mouth the, i think the offensive line and that analogy used of a sacrificial lamb i think that could not be more accurate um you know cook kind of and yes it's not the way to run a a sec program but you know Cook earned those reps. Um, you know, had Sam Horn been here for spring ball, could have been completely different. Um, but Cook that, earned those that. reps, and and it it was his time to shine. Um, now, yeah, he got hurt, and yeah, you know, could have been in the injury where he's not going to hurt any worse. You know, it's just going to have to wait until after the off season. Um, I think a ton of those uh, different. Pieces of the puzzle got us to where we are now. Um, and this, we all know it. Drink knows it. This is his biggest offseason yet. Not only for making a home run hire on an offensive coordinator like he did for a defensive coordinator, um, which I trust him to do. I really do. Because if you look at, you know, the Steve Wilkes experiment was not what we needed. Um, next thing you know, we got Blake Baker and a defense that not only was complete 180, but was extended midseason. And then also um, we are bringing back a ton of experience and a ton of different um, talent from that defense that was, you know, aforementioned that we completely did a 180 on. So with all that being said, um, 
I think it's it's frustrating, no doubt, hundred percent. Mizzou fans have, I think, they have every right to be frustrated. But with all that being said, I think everything is slowly starting to work itself out as it should. Look, here's my thing as far as quarterbacks and whether or not we need to bring, like, do we bring in another Jack Abraham or or do we take a shot? You know, we talked on it last week of is he going to bring in three big names and and swing and miss again? But if Sam Horn, you know, he came to Mizzou to play quarterback and to be a pitcher for the baseball team. But with Brady being out of spring ball, does Sam tell baseball, I'm not playing this year. I'm, this is my chance to, you know, step up and get the reps I need and to push forward with being a quarterback. Or is he, if he still commits to playing baseball, we've got to bring quarterbacks in. We have to. I don't, I I don't agree think. With you, but it's what, I, everything I've heard is that Sam is football first. And um, I, 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 was, I heard this on a different podcast. Gabe said this. He's actually the second highest NIL player on the team, and he's a lot closer to Luther than you'd think. Now, we know who is funding Luther. I'm not sure who is backing Sam Horn. But, um, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that if, especially before this, the football is the very first priority. But so. I would love to see that young man tell baseball, "Hey, I, I love y'all, and I I want to be out there, but sorry, this is my my chance." You know, oh. to see that leadership in him, you know, see the intangibles kick in on the football side. Yeah, and I mean, one thing with collegiate baseball is, yeah, it's not the, whatever, it's 162 games that the MLB plays, but it's still, what, 40, 60, 40, 50, 60. Mizzou baseball has been so, and, I, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but they've been so irrelevant in previous years that it doesn't get, turkeys get more of my attention in the spring than Mizzou baseball does, put it that way. Um, but it, it, it makes me wonder if, yeah, he goes through Mizzou spring ball, he goes through the spring game, and then he joins a baseball team and uses that to you know, stay in shape, keep his arm in shape. Um, and hopefully, Steve Beeser, I know you're not listening, but hopefully it's in the plans too. Um, that's, you mentioned NIL, that's an expensive arm. So let's, um, let's not get it tore up playing baseball over the summer. Let's, you know, just keep it in shape, keep him in shape and then hopefully be ready to rock come fall ball. Case, you have anything else you want to add on that subject? No, I agree with that. I, I do am a little offended. As much as I love turkey hunting, it's my favorite time to hunt. I, I do <laughs> very much enjoy our baseball team. <laughs> I do. And I, like I said, I'm embarrassed. I really, truly am embarrassed to say that. Like, I love watching the Cardinals. Um, and I, But let's be honest. I mean, they haven't. Hey, that's your issue. I'm a Royals fan. I'm used to that. Yeah. All right. That's yeah. that's yeah, right. I mean, my wheelhouse. Baseball, that's that's, <laughs> that's my. You, I guess. you know what? If if uh, if Mizzou can randomly for no reason go on a two year run where they make back to back College World Series finals <laughs> and win one of them, I'll be right at home. Heck yeah! <laughs> they will. I, and I'll I'll admit it. I'd be a Mizzou baseball bandwagon fan. And I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll make that one of my twenty. My 2023 goals is to uh, pay more attention to Mizzou baseball. I took and this podcast has gone so long. I'm not. Even, I'm not even concerned now. I'm just going to keep talking. Um, 
that I went, I took the kid last year with my wife, and it's it's actually a good time. They do a decent, they do it's, it's a fun little experience out there. Yeah. If you like going to minor league baseball games, which is something I do whenever we go on vacation, I find the local you know minor league baseball team. We go for a cheap night out and do that. You know, it's got the same feel. Feel they got a fun bar out in left field. They got stuff always going on. When I went, Dennis Gates got hired the week before, and he threw the first pitch out and was talking to everybody. So I, I had a hoot when I went, and we beat Arkansas, which is great because screw them. There you go. Yeah. What? Sorry, David. If you're David's gonna listen back to that, like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Sorry, David. I did. I did warn him that we are not so, you know, team friendly with the rest of the SEC. Like we are a Mizzou podcast, so I, I'm sure he is okay with that. I'd say, uh, I'd say we, I'd say we hug the line between professionalism and. You know, the stuff you're going to hear out at the bar, like, you know, we're, we're keeping it clean for the most part on this, yeah, but so you know, we're not going to, we're not going to delete our homerism and we're also not going to, you know, repeatedly drop F-bombs, but we're still going <laughs> to, we're still going to jab our rivals or, you know, if they are rivals. But also again. doing a live show from a bar is a great idea. That is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> deer camp deer camp, oh, deer camp. camp episode come that'd on be, that'd be sweet let's go well fellas since since it is getting long i, I believe uh we'll postpone our outdoor section for this week uh just because we we took that time to get an outside opinion or view of mizzou basketball and i thoroughly enjoyed david coming on uh I felt he had some very good points and opinions, and I'm even a little smidge, even more excited for the game tomorrow than what I already was. Yeah, I am too. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun. I think it's going to be a dogfight. And you know what? This quick thing I think I'm most most excited about is that Mizzou is playing meaningful conference basketball again. Yeah, and yeah, just I would just to be fair. Uh, case you expected Kentucky to win last week too, so I'm good if you expect us to lose tomorrow. Oh, night. buddy, real quick back on the whole Royals run I just mentioned, <laughs> I would go in every game saying we're gonna lose, and I would just the whole time, like, no, we're gonna strike. Like, there's no way we're nowhere getting the runs here, it's over. Yeah, I did, I did that all the way to a World Series victory in 2015. There you go, <laughs> my anti jinx, if you will. There you go, keep it going. <laughs> yeah, it's um. It's been a good podcast, and and Case and I um, had did some some talking to the uh, not only Mizzou fans, but if uh, if you are listening, maybe for the first time, um, I do want to thank you on behalf of not only the podcast, but we're you know very new to this. Um, I I just want to thank everybody that if you take the time, take an hour and a half out of your day in the truck or car or at work or whatever, listen to this. Um, Thank you. And for those of you that uh, don't enjoy the uh, the woods or, you know, the outdoor portion of this podcast, you'll be happy because there's not one this time. So yeah. um, it'll just strictly be Mizzou. Uh, Mizzou and hey, and some other shout dudes. out. Shout out to Enos Rakestraw yeah, uh, retweeting. We were How cool nine away from 200 and. My phone's been going off notifications while we're recording this, so I don't know where we're at now, but 
I was just trying to get us to 200 and we were at 340, I believe when I came on to record. So uh huge shout out to him. And if, if he's the one that sent you, I'm going to try to find something creative uh, with Case and Cole here in a way we can honor Enos and maybe a giveaway to our listeners. So uh, be, have your ears tuned for that. And also, if you know Enos or Enos, if you're listening, come on the pod. You got an open invitation, my brother. Absolutely. Anytime. Yeah. I'm uh, again, I I just sound like a broken record, but if, uh, if you are listening to the first time on this podcast, thank you. Um, and give us feedback. We, I feel like we're all three, um, very definitely approachable by it, by all means, but, uh, trying to make this you know the best thing we can best listening experience for you guys um uh, i'll be honest i record this most of the time off of uh, apple headphones so if the audio sucks let me know and i'll do what i can to upgrade that audio and uh and get a better listening experience for everybody fellas i'm about out of uh i mean i i could talk all night with y'all because Living in Arkansas, I don't get Mizzou talk other than Tuesday nights when we record this. So I could talk all night, but I know our listeners don't want to listen to us talk <laughs> for, for more than what we probably already have. So uh, I appreciate y'all coming on uh, and doing this with me. And I, I look forward to where this is going in 2023. Happy New Year to y'all, by the way. Thank you. Thank you, man. You as well. It's been, 2022 is, is good to us. It's a good year. A good year, and let's hope 2023 makes it even better. And uh, our thoughts and prayers are with the Buffalo Bills player that was an unreal situation, and we we hope for the best for that young man. So, yep, for, for for this week's episode, uh, once again, thank you, Mr. David, for coming on and talking with us, and. Guys, we got a big ball game tomorrow, and don't forget Saturday we have a ball game as well against Vanderbilt. Case, I know you're not going to forget because you're going to be there. But uh, as always, go Tigers! M I Z Z O U. Go Tigers! Y'all take care. <laughs>